Well, believe it or not, after 19 weeks, we are in our final conversation coming out of the book of Philippians. And so when we started Philippians back in early September, and we took about a month off there for a Christmas series, but I said 19 conversations coming out of four chapters is either insane or it's genius. And I hope we land with genius because I I hope that you've had as many aha moments coming out of the book of Philippians as, as I've had. And how Paul points us to Jesus as our true source of joy. Regardless of the many, many ways that we look to find joy in our lives, Paul has said in so many different ways that your true joy will only ever ultimately be found in Christ. And as Paul closes out this letter to the Philippians, Paul is going to call out these Philippians for a pattern of generosity that he's seen in them. I came to Mannheim BIC, it'll be six years in April, and came from the corporate world. Yeah, I'd done church planning in South America, but that is an altogether different thing from being a pastor. So came in with not a lot of pastoral experience, but Pastor Lou Astudo, who retired some four years ago, that dude had pastoral experience in spades. And so he was generous to me in that he, he gave me his time, he gave me his attention, he invested in me, he poured into me. And I had these defining moments with Lou. And one of the things that he would say on repeat, and I've told you this before, but one of the things that he would say over and over again was that the generosity of Mannheim BIC would absolutely blow me away. And Lou was right. As I've watched you over these now almost six years, your generosity has blown me away and it only continues to grow. We celebrated that fact at our congregational council some two weeks ago. Just the generosity that we've seen throughout the past year, 2017. I call that out one of the the first Sundays in January. Just the the giving that, that happens here amongst us is off the hook. We clearly see that generosity displayed through examples like our giving tree where, where money and, and cash and checks and gift cards come into the church and we turn around and, and give that away to families who are in need, who have needs with things like groceries and paying the rent bill and buying heating oil. And those funds came in just over $16,500 this past year. To put that in perspective, it was in the neighborhood of $14,000 the year before that. Um, If you go back another year, it was around $10,000. If you go back three years, it was at $6,500. And so the, the generosity to the giving tree isn't just slowly nudging upwards. It is blowing through the ceiling. MBIC is is a very volunteer-driven church. And if you go around and start counting the numbers of volunteers that we have, if you could right now get up out of your seat and go up into our children's ministry area, 
right? And it's secure, so you can't do that. But if you could, you would literally see a small army serving up there, taking care of our kids, teaching our kids. Our volunteers who give of their time and their, and their energy, not just in children's ministry, but in every aspect of, of, of Mannheim BIC, touches every aspect of who we are, and, and we could not do the many, many things that we do without you. That's generosity as you, you pour your time and your energy and your giftedness into this church. Right now, Carl Ginder and Gene Gaiman are on a short-term team up in Alaska, giving of their time and energy, serving there. Next week, we'll talk about a team that is heading to Guatemala here in February. Again, volunteers giving of their their time and their energy and their vacation days to serve the orphans that are at the Village of Hope there in Guatemala. And these are just three really quick examples that, that clearly demonstrate that here at Mannheim BIC, there is a pattern of generosity, and it's, it's not just being generous with our finances, but being generous, being open-handed with everything that we have. Our time, our attention, our focus, our, our giftedness, our other resources, and because that's who we are as a church, we know the power side, or we know the giving side, how powerful generosity is. But let's not forget that every single one of us have been the recipients of generosity. We've been on the receiving side. And so here's here's a live question for us. I want you to think of an instance, right? And we've all had these. So think of an instance when you had a need and someone stepped up to help you with that need. They were generous to you. How did that make you feel? So hit me up with some words. What's that? Awesome. What else? Grateful. Blessed. What's that? Relief. If you're pinched by that need, you're going to feel relief. Loved. How about humbled? Right? So we could go on and on with this list. Because when when someone steps up and is kind to you in your need, is kind to you when when you're vulnerable, that kindness shakes you. In a good way, it shakes you deeply and and you do not quickly forget that that's the power of generosity we've all experienced that both on the giving side and the receiving side and that's how Paul closes out this letter to the Philippians because Paul could have have closed out by saying hey Philippians thanks so much for this gift that you sent me said his goodbyes the end but Paul goes farther Yes, he's moved by, by, by this gift from the Philippians, and we talked about that last week. We talked about that coming out of Philippians chapter 2, where they've sent a care package. The Philippians have sent a care package to Paul via this guy named Epaphroditus. So yeah, Paul is thankful for the gift that he's received from the Philippians, but at the end of the day, Paul's not really interested in their dollars. Paul is interested in their hearts. And Paul wants to make sure that these Philippians, 
as a highly generous people, understand that, that their giving, their, their generosity is a downrange product of something else, a downrange product of what is happening in their hearts. And for us as a church, as a highly generous church, we need to understand the same thing, and this is where Paul takes us this morning. So this morning, we are in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 14, all the way to the end. But before we get into our passage, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning confessing our need, confessing our desperation. Confessing our need and our desperation for you. We need you in this time to to guide these words, to guide the hearing of these words. We need you to drive your truth deep into our souls. We need you to be with Carl and with Jean as they are in Alaska. Thank you that they arrived safely last night. Continue to protect them as they're away from their families. Allow them to have a productive time there in Alaska that everything that they do would bring you glory. And so we bring you all of this and pray for your help, your blessing, your provision in the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Philippians chapter four, starting in verse 14. Paul writes, even so you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Right, so, so Paul has just said in the verses that have come before, and we talked about this last week, that he's learned the secret of being content no matter what life has, has thrown at him. And that secret comes through looking beyond your circumstances, both good and bad, and looking to the one who is walking with you in your circumstances. And Paul's perspective is so locked on Christ, he's good no matter what, but even so, he's thankful for the generosity that these Philippians have shown him. Verse 15, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. And so in Philippi, and we saw this in Acts chapter 16, Paul rolls up on these women by the river who are having a prayer meeting, and, and the, the lady that's leading that crew, her name is Lydia, and Paul starts to talk about Jesus, and Lydia says, hey, let, I want to get in on that, let me in on that. And so the church in Philippi is, is, is operating out of Lydia's house as a base of operations. So Paul has experienced generosity shown to him by Lydia. And then when, when, when Paul and his team leave Philippi, they go 100 miles down the road to Thessalonica. And that's what Paul is saying here in these verses. Even when I moved on, you were still being generous to me over and over again. It's not here, but in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9, Paul mentions to the Corinthians that when Paul was at Corinth, these Philippians came to him and brought him all that he needed. And here, as Paul writes from Rome, this letter to these Philippians, Paul is, is in chains, he's a prisoner, and, and it's a pretty raw deal in that 
He's under house arrest, but he's the one responsible for paying the rent on this house. He's the one responsible for coming up with the grocery money, for putting clothes on his back. And it is pretty hard to work the drive-up window at Wendy's when you're chained to guards. So even now, Paul is receiving help from this church at Philippi. Verse 17, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Paul is not saying this to butter up the Philippians. He's not trying to manipulate them so that they they give him more. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Right, so, so here in verse 18, Paul is switching gears and he wants to make sure that the Philippians see that you and I see that they're giving way more than being about checks written out and checks cashed. That their generosity isn't even at the end of the day a financial thing. Their generosity is a worship thing. It's a sacrificial thing. It is sacrificial worship. So generosity is worship. And because giving, because generosity is sacrificial worship, Paul is then able to say, verse 19, and this same God who takes care of me will. Right? It's not wishful thinking. It's not hopeful thinking. Right? But, but this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And that thought of God's riches being available to us through Jesus, which is the promise of the gospel, so overwhelms Paul that he cannot help but to jump into spontaneous praise. Verse 20, now all glory to God our Father forever and ever, amen. And then Paul closes out this letter with his goodbyes. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people. All who belong to Christ Jesus, the the brothers who are with me send you their greetings and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And so yes, Paul is thankful for the generosity that the Philippians have shown him, but he's thrilled by, by what that generosity demonstrates. Despite the Philippians' own need, they are being open-handed with their resources, right? Could they use the dollars that they were sending on to Paul to meet their own needs? Absolutely, they could have. But rather than, than close their fists around their finances, they give to Paul time and time again, which is a tell that God is doing something in their hearts. So what has God done? What have the Philippians experienced in their lives? So to help us see that, let me back us up and ask us a more basic question that will help us answer this, right? And that more basic question is this. What kinds of things get in the way of our generosity, right? So this is a live question. I need your help with this. Lack of faith. All right, you're getting ahead of me. This is our last sermon coming out of Philippians, so I got to use the whiteboard, all right? So lack of faith, did I hear busyness? All right, 
busyness. Yet, selfishness. I'll put that up here, Austin. Pride. There was something over here I think that I missed. What's that? Stinginess. All right. Even when you're helping me, I'm still like, all right, I couldn't tell. Stinginess. Yeah, all right. I'm going to come back to timing, right? Let me write apathy here so I don't forget it. Right? So, so maybe with, with timing, okay? Have you ever been in the boat of, man, I'd love to be generous, but I got too much going on. I've got bills that I need to pay, so I can't do it today, but I'll do it tomorrow. Thing is, tomorrow never comes. How about, how about a sense of entitlement? All right, I'm writing fast and it's getting ugly. How about greed? How about culture? And let me explain that one. We live in a culture that is always going to push you that you need bigger, better, faster, newer. We live in a culture that is always moving the goalpost between what is a need and what's a want. 20 years ago, you did not need a $700 supercomputer in your pocket. Today, we wouldn't even think of leaving our house without a cell phone. And so, the thing that we have to realize is that these things are not stopping the Philippians from engaging in their generosity, right? And you and I, we, we, have, we have far more margin for giving than they ever had. So what have the Philippians experienced in their lives? What do they know that allows them to be generous, right? They've learned that they don't have to be the victim of a lack of faith, that they don't have to be a slave to busyness, a slave to selfishness, a prisoner to their pride. They don't have to be stingy, right? Timing doesn't matter. They don't have to be apathetic. They don't have to be entitled. They don't have to be a victim to greed. They don't have to be a slave to the culture. Because the Philippians know that God will, it's a promise, that God has supplied and will continue to supply all their needs from God's riches. I found this in a commentary this week, put on full display and lavished on us, lavished on you and I in and through Jesus. The Philippians know that that the sovereign creator king of the universe has their backs. And so these kind of threats, these kind of threats to their generosity mean nothing, are nothing when compared to the vast richness that is available to them. And this is the thing that frees up these Philippians to sacrifice, to dig deep, to offer their generosity as an act of worship because they know that they are secure. 
Because if you are, are being victimized by these things, if you are in the end analysis choosing these kind of things, how are you able to be generous? And the reality is that you are not. Because each of these things will, will induce you to be tight-fisted with your resources and it's only as you know as you know deep down in in your heart that the sovereign creator king of the universe loves you that he gave even his own son to seek you out to save you that he's for you it's only when you know that you don't have anything to protect because you know that God is fully protecting you that God from his abundance will provide for your needs, it's only then that you'll truly be free to be generous. Let me give you a silly example. In our office, we have been, since Halloween, eating our way through 20 pounds of gummy bears. And our office folks would say, Brian, that's a lie. You've been eating your way through 20 pounds of gummy bears. And so we are down to our last 2.5 pounds of gummy bears. But we try to give these things away. We try to be generous with these because we have such an abundance, 20 pounds of candy. And it's that overwhelming abundance in gummy bears that frees up our gummy bear generosity. Silly example, but exactly the point, and this has been the point of the entire book of Philippians. On Friday, I went back and, and I rewatched our, our very first conversation from back in September, coming out of Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And in that conversation, I chronicled step by step the, the many, many hardships, the, the suffering, the, the raw deal that, that describes the Apostle Paul's life, right? Those simply not fair things that, that have happened to him as he's sitting in chains writing this letter of Philippians to these people. These, these Philippians who are, who are going through their own hardships. And I kept asking the question, as Paul comes back to joy over and over again, given all the hardships that he's seen and is seeing in his life, what does Paul know about joy? And the thing that Paul knows about joy, it's not even a thing, it's not even a what, it is a who. It is his Savior who came and lived a perfect life of obedience for Paul, for you and I, who went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, who rose victoriously from that grave and is even now interceding for those who are in relationship with him. And so if we go back and just tease out those, those themes, those elements that we've seen just here in Philippians chapter 4, Paul has talked about the things that stand in the way of our unity. Those attitudes, those words, those actions that tear down our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul's talked about anxiety. He's talked about raw fear. Paul has talked about need and and being brought low and, and being in hunger. The things that threaten our contentment. And now generosity, right? how, how to overcome these kind of things. 
And Paul's consistent message throughout the book of Philippians, right, not just in chapter 4, but throughout the book of Philippians, Paul's consistent message has been that the secret to overcoming all of this, really the secret to all of life is, can you see the way that God has loved you through Jesus? I could easily have us end our time this morning and challenge you, and it would be a fair challenge. I could challenge you based on what we've seen this morning to go out this week and find someone to be generous to. I could ask the question, who will you be generous to this week? And if God puts someone on your mind, puts someone in your heart, by all means, go and get after that. But I'm shooting for so much more for you, for us, because we, we know where generosity comes from. And it's being able to see God's goodness to you and the abundance that you have in him. And this drives everything. So, so the better question for us is, can you see the way that God has loved you through Jesus? Because only as, as your perspective is captured by God and the glorious riches that are lavished on you in Christ Jesus. And, and, and your ability to see the beauty of that. Because this truly is the secret to generosity. And it's what Paul has been telling us over and over and over again throughout the book of Philippians. And so we're going to end this morning, we're going to end our conversation, we're going to end this series by, by pulling lines coming out of all four chapters uh, of Philippians. The, those truths that Paul has, has continued to pull us back to. Are you able to see that? If you are in relationship with him, and again, I don't say that as a threat. But these promises only apply to you if you are in relationship with Christ. So again, not a threat, but to say, why wouldn't you want to be a part of this? Are you able to truly see that God has begun a good work within you and will continue his work until it's finally finished? Are you able to see that you are being saved even by God himself? That, that Jesus did not think equality with God is something to cling to, but he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave for you. That, that he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross for you. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That there is infinite value in knowing Christ Jesus as Lord, that you are able to fully rely on what Jesus has done for you. That you can know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That the reason that you press into him and that you press on is because Christ Jesus first possessed you. That, that, that Christ Jesus is calling you to a heavenly prize. That you are a citizen of heaven where Christ Jesus lives and he will return and he will bring, he is bringing all things under his control. That he is coming soon. That as you live in Christ Jesus, God's peace will guard your heart and mind. 
that Jesus is your strength, that God will take care of you, will supply your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to you in Christ Jesus. So can you truly see the way that God has loved you through Jesus? How clearly are you able to see that? Because this is the secret to life. This is the secret of the book of Philippians. This is the secret to finding your joy. Won't you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, allow us to see, allow us to truly see. My fear for us, my fear for me is we say these things week after week. We sing these things week after week. But in our heart of hearts, we don't believe these things. I identify that in my own heart. My own heart that that so, so quickly wants to wander away from you. And it reminds me you are, are always inviting us to truly believe. Reminds me of that conversation in Mark chapter 9 where, where the, the dad of, of the little boy who's being afflicted by a demon comes to Jesus and says, can you heal him? And, and Jesus says, do you believe? And the guy responds, yes, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. You are always inviting us to trust you, to rely on you, to depend on you. And as we've just seen, you have in your word showed us so many ways through the Apostle Paul, just the lavish riches that you have poured out on us in and through Christ Jesus. And when we truly understand that, when, when your Holy Spirit truly drives that truth deep into our hearts, that's the thing that changes the human heart. And so help us to believe. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.